Welcome to the Mycelium Network Podcast, a podcast all about early stage web developers and the mentors and teachers that helped them along the way. Hey, welcome, Matthew, and uh, welcome to the Mycelium Network Podcast. Thank you so much, Skalk. Thanks again for the invitation, and thanks for the opportunity to, to share a little bit of, of my journey with, with your audience. Yeah, no, it's my pleasure. Um, so let's jump right into it. Um, let's start off with you telling us more about who is Matthew and what do you do and yeah, all about you. So I, I will start off by sharing like this, this is a question that, that used to, to scare me and, and make me nervous a little bit. Um, as you will click quickly learn, I, I have had quite a circuitous career path. So I tell people I'm on about my seventh major career change. Um, and whereas before I would be told to like hide parts of my story and journey, now I feel like I'm kind of living a life where I can own the full journey and see kind of the meaning and purpose in each step of it. Um, but I will give a slightly abbreviated version of, of the steps. But I tell people I started my career very intentionally. Um, in in school, I was a civil and environmental engineering major, and my intention was to kind of use environmental engineering as a kind of platform to, to make change in, in the world. Um, and quickly, I discovered a couple of things. I wasn't a very good engineer. Um, and it so happened that I had a good, a positive aptitude for technology. And I credit my, my employer at the time because they were like, Hey, you seem to be struggling in some of your field work, but we see you have this kind of aptitude for technology. Like, would you consider supporting, you know, our head of technology in, in kind of supporting the office? And I was like, sure. I was interested in it. I was passionate about it. So that was first like career change number one was from environmental engineer to IT support person and, and network administrator. Um, and I quickly learned it was, it was a work I loved to do. Um, and like I said, I was, I was kind of naturally good at it and interested in it. Um, so after that role ended, um, I actually went into the world to see if I could find, you know, an IT, an IT support job. And after a lot of reflection, this that was the last time I like looked for a job in a traditional like sending cover letters and resumes out kind of a way. And that was in 1999. Um, and I went to job fairs and I sent out a bunch of resumes and I got a job with a small IT consulting company. And my first project was desktop support in a hospital and um, was responsible for, you know, just supporting all of their users. And as you will hear in my story, there's, there's a lot of alignment to major things in the world. So on New Year's Eve of 1999, I was working desktop support in a hospital. So like at 1159, I was in the hospital with a team, like waiting for the world to collapse and all of the hospital machines to go down, you know, when the clock struck, struck midnight. And that did not happen, you know, but at, at, at 1201, the hospital was fine. The system, like, well, systems were all fine. And, um, but shortly after, 
the company, the consulting company I was working for had an opportunity in Boston to support this up and coming um, internet holding company called Internet Capital Group. And I was the youngest person on the team, not the most qualified. And they were like, would you consider moving to Boston um, to support this company that's kind of in this massive state of growth? And I was like, sure. Like I was 20 nothing. And I was like, seems like a great opportunity. And I'll never forget, I went up there to interview with, at the time, this kind of small team of senior executives. And I remember the office manager saying to me, like, I don't need you to be like a brilliant technologist. I need you to be able to communicate with our people in a like thoughtful and transparent way. Um, and so within a week or two, I packed up my bags and I moved to Boston and I started supporting this company that grew out of a very small office space over the course of about 12 months into a 20,000 square foot office space that I helped with everything from finding the space to ordering the furniture to to building it out to helping build the technology network. And it was just an awesome project. I was given a lot of responsibility. And I just I love so much about it. But and this is kind of alignment with world affairs. That was the first bubble burst. So within a period of about 12 months, we moved into this office, we invested all of this money into this office just to have to shut it down. Um, so within a few months, we were subleasing the space and the furniture, we were they were laying off most of the staff. My last kind of job there was to set up the last five people in home offices. Um, and at that point, so that this is kind of the next big transition. My company didn't have any other work for me in Boston. And I didn't want to move back. I'd only been there like a year and a half. So this is my, I tell people, this is my first negotiated separation. I was like, I still want to do this work. Like I'm in contract with you. I can't work for any clients. Like, would you be considering to waive that? This company still has a little bit of work for me. There's some other projects up here they'd like me to do. So they accepted my proposal. And that was my first kind of foray into working for myself. Um, so I had a couple of clients and in Boston. And then I picked up another one in New York who was a friend who owned a brokerage on the American Stock Exchange. Um, and so I was helping him with some technology and operation stuff. And he... One day he was like, listen, why don't you just move to New York? I will teach you this business. You can be our in-house technology and operations person. And again, and this is a theme you will see, like I was doing a lot of reacting at this point in my career. Like I didn't really have a vision that I was like, oh, this is the thing I want to do. I was like, oh, look, opportunity. I'll just follow this thing. So I moved up to New York. I kind of took the job. I signed my lease on the Friday before September 11th. And September 11th happened. And both my boss and my landlord were like, listen, if you don't want to come now, we understand. Like, but I was already packed. I was like, I'm committed to this move. And so on October 1st of 2001, I started at the American Stock Exchange. And it was an unnerving period. I mean, the stock exchange was only a couple blocks south of ground zero. A lot of people down there had lost people in their firms, their friends, family members. Um, 
but yeah, so that, that was, that was another big transition. And, um, I tell people I learned very early in that job that, um, the environment was not necessarily in alignment with my values. And the, the, the story I share, um, Skulk is, you know, I would go into within three months, I was like on a seat, which meant I was a broker that would like run into all the crowds and I would run in and I would ask for a quote or place an order. And I would always say, please. And thank you. And I will never forget. Someone said to me, you must be new here. No one says please and thank you. So for an environment to so like clearly state like this is it's not civil here. Um, and that within a few years, it, it really it took a toll on me from a stress perspective. It was very, very intense. And, you know, my boss was a dear friend. And, you know, he underlined the fact and this is another like crystallized moment in my head. He was like, the people here will screw you for one penny. Like, no one here is your friend. And that was just one of those things where you're like, you don't want to believe it, but you see enough of it. And it was kind of like, I need to get out of here. So that was my second negotiated separation. I said, I, you know, I need to transition into something a little bit more fulfilling for me. It was at a time where that business was changing because of technology. So he was also happy. So negotiated a three month, you know, kind of transition. And I said, listen, I will, I will be on call for these three months. So like, if you need anything, like you can always call me, but I'm going to look for a new job. And this is an important transition because this was the first time I was like, all right, if I want to define kind of a personal mission, for this next phase of my career, what will that be? Um, and where I landed was like, so I had this technology experience. Now I have this financial services experience. I said, I want to help make the global markets more efficient. And in retrospect, it was like, it was a good mission statement. It wasn't necessarily like a real purposeful one. Like it will come as no surprise. Like I saw opportunity to make a lot of money in that field. And this seemed like a mission that like I could find something that at least allowed me to take advantage of my strengths and kind of the intersection of, of these things where I was, I was interested. And I will say this has informed a lot of our process at CareerEdge. So what I did in that moment was I said, I like technology. I like financial services. There's a lot of people that work in this space. So I talked to people that worked at stock exchanges. I talked to people that worked like in the banks and other financial institutions that were present there. I talked to software companies. There were a lot of software companies at that time that were growing quickly and, and moving into the space. And then I talked to consultancies that, you know, were helping integrate technology into financial service institutions. All I did during those three months was was make connections with people at all of those industries to learn about their journeys, learn about their jobs, learn about all of the things that helped them be successful in their roles. Um, and where I ended up landing was, you know, the consulting space seems like a great opportunity for me to work for a lot of different clients at this intersection. 
And this is another important story I share with people. So I had a friend who worked at Accenture, a big global consultancy. I told him what I was looking for. He said, we are really looking for people at this intersection of technology and financial services. I'll send you the link to apply for this role. Um, I was like, great. So I applied. And then a couple of days, I get the stock. Sorry, we're not interested. Your skills do not align to our needs. And I forwarded it along to my friend and I said, thank you so much for the support, but it looks like I'm not a fit. And I share this story because it just goes to show you that like the system don't, doesn't always work as designed. Because when he got that email, he flipped out. He forwarded it to the head of financial services at Accenture and he forwarded it to the head of human resources and he said, you've been telling me how badly we need people at the intersection of technology and financial services. I just gave you this perfect candidate and you just denied them even an initial conversation. Um, and then I very quickly, you know, got a call from HR. I very quickly got scheduled for kind of a series of interviews. And anyway, long story short, you know, a month or two later, I got a job at Accenture and it was perfect. My first project was a new order management system for the New York Stock Exchange. So I was able to, for the first time, to like articulate a vision and actually find an opportunity that met that, that vision. And this is where I will fast forward a little. So I spent seven years there. I got to work on great projects around the world. Um, but in late 2012, I was working on a compliance project at a big bank in New York. And I woke up one morning and there was a email from the managing director who I was working for. And it said, your aggression is not going unnoticed. And I read below and in the middle of the night, I had sent some scathing email to some poor project manager because their status report wasn't right. Um, and I was like, I have now compromised my values um, and, and need to really kind of reflect and make a more intentional transition. So I kind of negotiated a, you know, essentially a transition of my role um, I took a six-month leave of absence, and Accenture was great. They said, you can come back and have your same job. You can come back and do something different on the other side of the world. Or, you know, if you don't want to come back, we'll, we'll kind of share going recommendations for you. So after, like, taking two months to just completely decompress, I did another, like, exploration. I talked to people in and around areas of interest to me. And at the time, I just wanted to do something with more of an impact on the world. So fast forward, I was kind of like, I have all of this knowledge around strategy and operations. I just would like to use it for more intentional causes. So I worked for a bunch of nonprofits, social enterprises, and startups in and around kind of Philadelphia. And again, I was working for myself. I was creating these consulting opportunities. And after a couple of years of doing that, one of my clients said, you know, I need you all in or out. And it was an opportunity to work in social impact real estate um, to really make a meaningful change in a couple of underserved communities in Philadelphia. So I went all in on that. And I spent five years there. And the, the, the biggest lesson learned from that part of the story is even the thing you think sounds perfect and, and aligns to the vision that you have for yourself, 
may may not be what you expect it to be. And, you know, what I mean by that is like, this was another thing that I never tested what it was like to be in real estate. I was so excited by the vision. I didn't like take a take a moment to be like, hey, what's it going to be like when people are calling you at three o'clock in the morning to tell you there's a leak in the building or somebody has like, um, so great experience. I learned a lot. But then at the end of 2020, I was like, this is this is not the way that most suits me to create the impact I want to make. And so again, I transitioned and I negotiated a separation. I said, I'll step down my time. Um, we actually kind of co-created some consulting engagements for me and the company was fine to let me take those on my own. Um, and then during that time, I really started to reflect again and say, what is at this intersection of the impact I want to create? And also the work that really kind of energizes me. And that that kind of spawned the start of Careerage. And my younger brother and I started it just by interviewing 80 people about their jobs and what was working for them and what wasn't. And we are still very much a work in progress, but the majority of my days today are spent helping people find more fulfillment, you know, in their in their professional lives. Um and I tell people it's taken me 46 years to get here, but now I finally like wake up every morning and, and realize like this is what I was meant to be doing. So I realize it's a very long story, but it's important, like I said. No, that's great. Yeah, no, that's great. That is lovely. That's so many turns that that life took. And and I mean, I can I can associate with that. I've also been uh, from a musician to classical guitarist to a tech person um, to working in corporate um, to not fitting at all and eventually like ending up doing my own thing and finding that caring about other people is what I really want to do and so try to find way that's like what led to some of these things like the community that I started there's these podcasts and all of that stuff and I I hear some of the same undertones in your story a lot a lot of change, but change into the direction of where people's journey is important, having impact that is meaningful is is important to you. Um, and you brought up uh, career itch, if I'm, I hope I said that correctly, um, and uh, the work that, that you do there. Um, and I think on your LinkedIn page, there's this one liner that says, I help people find professional peace and create a future they're proud of. I mean, who doesn't want that? So if somebody comes to you and they say, I don't know, I'm at one of these points, these inflection points in my life, and I have this opportunity to rethink my career and rethink what I do, how how would you go about helping them to find professional peace and create a future they can be proud of? Um. Great, great question, Skull. I think the thing that I have realized, and again, this has even been an evolution for me, is I think it is so important to start from a place of exploring how you feel currently and how you want to feel. You know, my corporate and professional training was always so focused on like tangible and specific, like strategic, financial, operational goals. Um, we were never, you know, feeling was never a metric, right? Like it, 
no one ever said, hey, how, how do you feel and how do you want to feel? Um, and the thing that I've learned, and I've learned this even with my own life and on my own journey, like starting from that place of like exploring what you're feeling now and, and, and the source of those feelings and then like really starting to ground yourself in, in the positive feelings you want to feel and the reality is, and I have seen this over and over again with people that I've spoken with, if you've had difficult and challenging professional experiences, they actually are stronger than the positive ones. So I've had to reconnect people to positive experiences because they've forgotten them because of the current like, you know, work stress or, or work challenge they're having. Um, so that's usually where we start. Like, how are you feeling? What, like, what's coming up for you? And how do you want to feel? And have you felt the way you want to feel before? And most people can answer that question positively, right? Like, even regardless of what the memory is, personal or professional, they can say, I have felt at peace, or I have felt alive, or I have felt energized doing these things. So that's the thing that like, I always start by connecting, reconnecting people to that. Um, and I will say, I've noticed this in my own life as well. Like that has some of the biggest downstream effect as it relates to like personal and professional, like fulfillment and success is that how do I want to feel and letting that kind of be a bit of a North star. Um, and I think you alluded to this. I think that the next thing in another part of this process is like, what are the questions or the prompts to get people thinking more about those things that kind of energize them or that make them feel purposeful? So questions like, hey, are, what problems in the world are you interested in, in solving or helping to solve? Um, where in the world would you like to make a meaningful impact? Uh, specifically what people in the world would you like to help or support or make successful? Um, so the next thing is really exploring some of those questions around purpose and, you know, whether you've been asked them or not, like there's usually something inside you intuitively that is like, yeah, these are the things that are important to me. These are the things I care about. And again, you know, if we are playing the traditional job searching game, we're not starting from that place, right? We're starting from a place of finding a thing that fits our skills. We're not starting from a place of, hey, where can I, what can I connect to that's real purposeful? And what value can I create in those spaces? So I would say those are the two things I think that really start like a, a healthier waterfall that focus on feelings and that focus on kind of purpose exploration. Yeah, that is wonderful. I think that's a really, I think a lot of people will find that useful to hear because I, I agree. We often start with um, looking at job boards from a skills perspective instead of from a culture perspective or from a, what does this company stand for? What are they trying to accomplish in the world? And does it fit with, with what I'm doing? Um, cause I mean, most job postings 
don't even talk about that really. They're more about like this long list of skills that that you need, which most of the time is completely unreasonable by itself. But you know the focus is heavily on 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 the skills, not so much on this is this is how you would have an impact in the company if you do pursue this role, um, and this is the overarching goal of the company. So if you take this role, your technical skills or whatever will um, will contribute to the company in this way, which will contribute to our end goal in this way. So I, I think that's a much more healthier, much more long-term way to, to think about these things. Um, but irrespectively, irrespective of whether you are on your own journey, doing your own thing or working for an employer, there are times in the day or in the week or in the month or in the year where it just feels like, Ugh, I need, I need something. I need somebody to tell me this is all going to be okay. And you do this thing called the Monday pep talk. <laughs> That's how I learned about you. One of these was shared by one of the folks on, from Groove on the Groove community Slack. And I checked that out and I was like, this is so cool. So how did you come about this idea and where do you, or how do you come up with the topics that you discuss in these pep talks? Well, th- thank you, Skulk. I I, I, appre- I appreciate the the kind and supportive words. It it's funny. So it started early days in in the pandemic. You know, when we were going very quickly from in person to like virtual meetings and and video calls all day. Um, I learned a couple of things early on. Um, everybody, despite what they were going through, kind of emotionally they got peace from just having like a smiling and supportive face on the other side of the camera. And I like specifically remember people saying to me like, th- like, thank, thank you. Like, I feel like I feel comfortable, like in, in this space that doesn't feel comfortable. And this falls into the category of like, a lot of my life was, I felt I lived without an awareness or like I wasn't paying attention. And I felt like I was at a point where I was paying attention and like it started to come up more and more. And I was like, all right, so this is an interesting data point. Like, let's hold on to this. And then the other thing that really started to become fascinating to me was in, in a lot of those interviews where I was just kind of hearing people's journeys and stories and offering you know, a new or a different perspective. Sometimes all people needed was a different perspective, right? Especially in things that like they were consumed with, right? And like, for whatever reason, like, were so focused that they weren't kind of seeing other perspectives and opportunities. So I, I was realizing in a lot of these interactions, that just by sharing a story or a perspective or like a helpful, a thing that had helped me, was enough to at least kind of trigger a, oh, that feels different. That may be something I can try. So, you know, it obviously took me like the better part of a, you know, nine months to a year after I had those kind of couple of realizations to formulate what is now the Monday morning pep talk. Um, But yeah, so I ended up doing 30 of them last year and it just felt good um, quite candidly to like do something you know, kind of public facing and not be too attached to the outcome. I was like, I want to do this because I want to get this message out there. And like, I can obsess over everything from like production value to low. And I'm like, 
I just want to share this. And um, so, yeah, that's kind of how it started. And I will say I reflected on a lot of it last year and in going into this year, I'm, I'm doing things a little bit differently. I, one of the things I realized I did last year, a lot of in my coaching and in my content was focused on problems. And this year, like what the thing that has been coming up a lot for me is like, we're not problems to be fixed, right? Like we're, we're, we're the, the framing that's been helpful for me is like, we have this like true authentic self, like at the heart of ourselves that unfortunately has been covered up by a lot of things, society, right? Like our work environments, especially unhealthy work environments. So all of these layers over time have like covered up a lot of what is our like real and true identity. So the shift this year is going to be a little bit more kind of positive focused and really focused on like, Hey, let's actually tap into strengths. Like let's not, let's not look at you as a problem to be fixed you know, or to be solved, let's, let's look at like, tapping into that kind of truest version and most authentic version of of yourself. And let that kind of be the guide and not treat like, your life is something to be triaged all the time, if that makes sense. So I'm still evolving it. Yeah, that makes complete sense. Yeah, for sure. And I think I think um, society has has evolved or devolved maybe into this idea that that human beings are a collection of problems that needs to be addressed <laughs> instead of instead of celebrating maybe sometimes some of these quote unquote problems maybe they are just differences that for some reason has been termed to be problems um so yeah i love that i love that that refocusing and i think there's so much um negativity going on in the world that i think of a, a, a refocus on what's good and what's positive is definitely a good call so i 100 support that that focus change um talking about that um so the mycelium network community was founded around the idea that i've heard from a lot of early stage web developers specifically um, and this runs the gamut. It's from like people who are like 16, 17 years old, all the way to people who's in their 40s and 50s that's just decided like, I want, I want to try something else. Like, like, I mean, like you said, and like I, I mentioned, like we've had all these career changes during our lifetime. I don't think this idea of, uh, school, university, job, uh, retirement, I think that that whole cycle has been completely broken apart and i don't think it's something that people do anymore um but you know and some of these people have decided to do it via starting their own business some people are going for uh employment maybe they're finding that that company that they can believe in um in the mission and everything and they want to build a career there um but the one thing that i've found with all of these folks is it's scary, right? Um, whether it's your first time going out there in the big wide world trying to find your place or whether it's having to prove yourself yet again in a new industry. Um, so for people that is doing one of these two uh, ways of getting into a new career, like 
what would you tell them? To, how how do they how should they approach this? Whether it's starting off or whether it's even maybe leveling up a little bit in their existing career. It, it's a great question, Skulk, and this is another one that has like a, my my thinking of this has evolved over time because you know having some operations background, I always believe like you just created a single process that worked for everybody, right? Like you just optimize the process for everyone. And, you know, to, to your point, like we, we are all unique, complex beings, right? And the, the process I define for you may not serve someone else. Um, so there's a couple of principles that I'm working with now. And the first is really like asking people just the question of like, what would your job search or career discovery look like if it were fun? Like allowing people to connect to like, if I were to actually turn this into an enjoyable thing, like what's the process I would create for myself? Because you alluded to something that I think is so, it limits so much of us. The system is built the way the system is built, right? From early education to higher education to corporate hiring, right? Like it is a series of constants. And and I tell people like, be conscious of the fact that like the system will always give you guidance to stay within the system, right? To be successful within the system, right? Um, Whereas I think it's very helpful for you to think about like, if I were going to design a process that really felt fun and energizing for me to find a job, what would that look like? And that answer will be different for different people. But like, you know, I will give you some examples. and, And some of these are people that I've directly worked with and some are just anecdotes that I've heard that I just absolutely love but like you know the person who wants to work for a company and says you know what I'm going to do I'm going to understand what their client profile their ideal client profile is I'm going to go get them five clients and then I'm going to go reach out to them and say hey I got you five clients would you be interested in having a conversation with me about working there right like um you know, that's a, that's a great example. I, you know, a woman who I worked with, I, I encourage people to always start from a place of like, you know, envision a future you without constraints. Like before you say, I can't do that because I don't have this experience or I can't do that because I don't have the right network. Like envision, envision what is possible without constraints and then try to learn from people that are already kind of living that life. Like, My favorite thing, you know, my favorite kind of sentiment to share with people is like, there are 8 billion people in the world. There is an excellent chance that there's at least one person that is kind of living the life, you know, that you want. And also, most likely there is a person that has started from a place very similar to the place that you're in. Um, And I say that just to say, like you can create any opportunity for yourself that you want. Um, But once you've done that envisioning, like the most important thing for me has been connect with people that are doing the work you think you want to do. And 
for some people that is, you know, people that like building or creating, it's creating something for someone and saying, Hey, I want to share this with you. Maybe it'll be helpful to you in your work, like as a way to connect with that person. I know other people that like, they just go in with curious mind. Like, I just want to learn about you, your journey, your goals, your challenges. Um, and most people are happy to share that, especially, and this is a lesson that I learned the hard way, and you alluded to this a little bit. We start, we usually start from a place of, I have to sell myself. And I tell people, you don't have to sell yourself initially. All you have to do is say, hey, can you, I am trying to understand more about this thing I think I want to do. Can you help me to understand the thing better? And then this is where, like, as you develop those relationships, those are the people that can tell you if you're like, all right, now I'm sure this is what I want to do. How do I position myself? To, to do this work. Those people that already have those jobs are the best resource to tell you how to get them, right? But you don't have to start from a place of selling. You just have to start from a place of curiosity. Um, and believe it or not, and this, this, is, this was very helpful for me when I started CareerEdge. Like I picked people that I was like, hey, you represent what I think I want this to be. And like that helped me start to build the early roadmap of career because I could see the moves that these people were making and how they were making them. Yeah, that's great. Um, yeah, I, I think it's it, and I think that's that's one of the things that I wanted to do with the with this whole community, especially the async kind of like Discord server with the community. Um, and it's still a little bit missing, but there's some folks starting to trickle in now because I do want people there that is already in this industry or in this career so that people can talk to them not and i and i think people always think um i should only ask them technical questions like i should only come to them to my mentor so to speak when there's a piece of code that doesn't work or when i don't understand a technical thing where it's like sure that that's good but there's more to it than just the code and you should ask about those things too it's not like, what do you do on a daily basis? Because a lot of people have a complete misconception of what it is to, to write code. Um, you know, people see movies and they see people, you know, typing super fast on the keyboards all day. And it's like, that's a, more often than not, that's actually a small part of your day. There's a lot of um, engagement with other people. There's a lot of talking through problems. There's a lot of being able to see other people's perspectives, other people's points of view, and being able to disagree in a civil manner. Um, and sometimes also admitting that my, maybe you were wrong, um, which is hard. But we need to be able to do that. And we need to be able to do that civilly so that it doesn't devolve the relationship within, within the company or within your team. So I think it's important to also talk about those topics. I think that's right. And I think, you know, I, I heard a great quote years ago that was, you know, you can't be it if you can't see it, right? So if you haven't interacted with those kind of people, if you're not even aware of what else goes on within your company or with even in your team, like you, you don't even know what questions to ask or, and 
is this is a place where I will say, like, I have found the fastest way to knowledge is a conversation with another human being. Like, yeah, I spent years mm-hmm. poring over articles and and like the most valuable insights I've gotten are when I've been face to face or on the phone with somebody and just said, tell me more about who you are, what you do and like how you've been successful. Yeah. Yeah. Setting the right expectations as well. Um, Because I think uh, at the moment there's a lot of good, because people are aware that there's this big, well, it's a little, it's a little, um, different right now at this very moment in tech. But there was a point in the last six months to a year where a lot of places started educating people to get into tech because it was sold as this panacea, this solution to all the world's problems um, in terms of employment, in terms of everything. Now we're in a bit of a precarious situation with all these layoffs happening at these big, big companies that people have... You know, if you work there, you might have felt a sense of job security. And it's it's incredibly sad. And, I mean, I know people personally who's been affected by all of this stuff. And it's it's hard. I mean, it doesn't matter where you live. It's still extremely disruptive to be told, sorry, but we're going to have to let you go. Um, because it's not something you planned on. Um, you were coming into the office, doing your thing. You maybe even had plans for the rest of the year of what you'd like to accomplish. And all of that is just, you know, it's just, it's over. Rethink. It's time to rethink everything. Um, So for some people it's worse than others, but I don't think it's easy for anybody um, when this happens to you. So, you know, and I think there's a lot of support needed for these kinds of things. for these people going through this. And I'm sure um, I haven't brought this this topic up yet with the people in the community, but I am sure there's quite a few folks that have put a lot on the line to change careers that's now maybe thinking that they've made the wrong choice and are in a between a rock and a hard place because they might have given up a job where they had something to do something else only to find that the industry they thought was so secure and so lucrative is going through a really, really tough time. <clears throat> and so they, they might feel like, oh my goodness, what the heck do I do? So if you, do you have any advice for these people, like how to stay motivated and stay focused when it might even feel like the world is collapsing around you? Yeah, I mean, my, my my heart goes out to all of those people. And every time I, you know, I see those announcements, my heart sinks a little because I know, especially in places where you're like, I'm secure here, like that, the, you know, that quickly things can change. And I, it's interesting. This is another area where my perspective has changed. I, the, the thing that I have learned is we can only control our own actions, Right. Like external forces are external forces. Like we can't control them. The only thing we can control is how, is how we react to those forces. Um, as well as like decisions made in the past are made, right? 
things that have happened in the past, the, the, those things cannot be changed. It, it is what we do today and tomorrow that we, we can control, you know, how we, how we move differently. Um, so the first thing I will say is, and, and this has been helpful for me in, in, in a lot of my transitions, like you have to grieve the loss of the thing. Like you've lost something that's significant, right? Especially something that is like the source of your livelihood. So, you know, I think one of the things when, when I was scared with managing emotions earlier in my life, it would be, what are all the unhealthy ways I can distract myself from this thing? Right? Like, there there was no vice that was too good for me. Like, I would whatever, whatever I needed to do to suppress the feeling, right, or ignore it or distract myself from it um, was where I invested my time. Whereas, you know, the skill that I've really been cultivating more recently when these things come up is to like actually feel them all the way through, you know? So, and I'll give a very specific example. Like, you know, when I started, you know, this most recent kind of round of businesses, um, you know, it was during COVID, you know, we had, um, a baby girl in, in May of 2021. So like, you know, the, the financial insecurity was not insignificant. And so one of the things and, and, and my partner and I actually did this activity together. We're like, like, let's, let's feel through losing everything. Like, cause the thing that we're afraid of, right. Is that like, you're going to end up at a point where like you can't survive. So we felt through it. Like we, we, we felt through losing our jobs. We felt through losing savings or, you know, housing, all of these things. And yeah, it's hard to feel through all those things, but once you felt through them, like you realize like you are so far from that ultimate outcome like, and now that you have felt how terrible it could feel, like, it's not going to go away, but it's not going to have the same control over you. And you can start to focus on the thing, you know, we started to focus on the like, all right, well, if those things do happen, what are things that we would do? Like, what are places we could go and earn money easily? Like, if we needed to ask for help, if we needed to find less expensive house, like, we did this, like practical like what would we do and then we were like okay that was enough like we grieved it we 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 strategized around it but like no now like let let's focus on the big things we want to create for our future now um but so that's the first thing i'll say like don't don't try to distract from it like feel it all the way through feel through that worst case scenario so it doesn't have that kind of death grip on you um, and then ask yourself, what can I do with this opportunity? What can I do with this time? Like I've seen so many people skulks that like have actually taken the time to reconnect to like a creative practice or just something that like energizes and fulfills them. Um, you know, so I think that is another like simple first step is like, don't, don't feel the need to like jump right into the next thing. If there is a need for financial security, the thing I always encourage people to do is like, look at, 
look at what you need to live and ask yourself, how can I satisfy this for like, you know, six to 12 months with the least amount of my time, right? So I can really create space to, you know, nurture myself, do more purposeful exploration and really find the next thing that's going to, you know, energize me and also kind of sustain me, you know, financially. Um, but I know, you know, I, like I said, I've, 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 I've worked through, you know, recessions. I've, I've been part of downsizing and it's just that it, it's going to happen and there it's nothing you did. The thing you have control over is what you do next. Yeah. Yeah. And then there's the flip side of that coin, which they call survivor's remorse. It's when you're the one that doesn't get let go and you, you're still at the company. Um, because one of the clients that I work with, um, in mid 2020, they had some big layoffs. And, um, so I, I wasn't, I wasn't affected by it, thankfully. And I know that me and some of my colleagues that I work with there had that, had that, um, survivors remorse like thing where you feel like, oh, I, feel kind of a little, a little bad, especially if you've worked like some of the people that was affected. I've worked with them for years. I mean, some of these are my friends and like they've been there going, I haven't been. So that that's also something, you know, to not not forget, like of all the people that has been let go, there's also a whole bunch of people that has not been let go at these companies who had to see their friends be affected like this and worrying about, are they going to be okay? Are they going to find something? I mean, you know, it's it's a tough time. They're like the world is still recovering from COVID, and we're not there yet. So you know, um, opportunities aren't as a, as uh, plentiful as they as people would like to think or like to believe. So yeah, there's both sides of that coin. But um, I know when people are just going through this, the last thing you want is advice. <laughs> you just want somebody to listen. Um, but whenever people are ready, I think there's there's two videos on YouTube I recently stumbled upon that made an impact on me. The one is from the founder of Wired. Um, he has this video. I think it's called 38 Pieces of Unsolicited Advice, something like that. And one of the things he said is very close to what you've just mentioned, where he said is when you're young, for six months to a year, live as frugally as you can. So that you know what it is, eat beans and rice, so that you know what that feels like, so that when you want to take a big chance in your life, you know what it is to be poor. And it will be, like you said, it will have less an effect on you because you know what worst case scenario potentially could be. And then the other one was a um, conversation on the Huberman Lab podcast with Dr. Elia Crum, and it's all about mindset. And that is just brilliant. It's just incredible the power that our minds have if we, and the way we talk to ourselves um, and what we put out there and what we say when we look in the mirror in the morning. That is such a big impact on how we experience life in general that I think we should really take time to, like you say, make space for these things and not just be so focused on the next thing. So, so you've now touched on a topic in 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 two points, Kalk, that I think is very important 
is as it relates to all of this, you know, you talked about kind of communication, right, amongst peers and when you're talking to people and, and what intentional and, and attentive and, and listening communication looks like, but also how we communicate with ourselves. Um, and one of the most transformative books that I have read in the last couple of years um, is a book called Nonviolent Communication by Marshall Rosenberg. And I never felt that I was given through all of my schooling. Nobody ever said like, here's how to intentionally communicate with yourself and others in a like non-judgmental and compassionate way. And I just, I've gifted this book dozens of times. I just sent another copy out today, like, because it gave me the ability to say, all right, this thing I'm feeling, even if it's a negative emotion, fear, anger, frustration, disappointment, whatever it is, like, there is a positive, like, intention around an, an unmet need that I have. Like, it is doing something actually to protect me. I just need to actually give it, like, the attention that it deserves and not look at it as a, something to judge myself for. But something to explore like, oh, I'm feeling frustrated because I needed or I feel the need for stability and now I don't have that stability. So what can I do to get to your point, like to get that stability that I need kind of for this? Um, but that that book has given me the language not only to like be less judgmental as I talk to myself, but like you alluded to earlier, also be able to have those conversations, especially in, 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 you know, in work settings where disagreements come up or people have differing opinions. Like that, that book has kind of given me the playbook um, to just navigate those in a way that quite candidly, like feels more intentional um, and feels good regardless of what the outcome of it is. Like, now I can walk into situations and even if the other person's yelling at me, I'm okay because I know I'm showing up the way I wanted to show up and I'm acknowledging their feelings mm. and all of those things. So I share that as another resource I think that like is grounded in me. Like there are some basics here and communications with ourselves and others is like an important thing to, you know, to develop in ourselves. Yeah, for sure. I've heard about the book as well. I haven't read it yet, but it's definitely on my read to read list. I believe it's it's literally on my to read list on Amazon. <laughs> I just need to put it in my put it in the cat in the cart. Um so I alluded to earlier um like where I kind of stumbled upon your video, the Monday Pep Talk, um, on the Groove community, and I think a lot of people that hear this might Groove community, what's that? Um and I've been involved with them since the very very beginnings and i've um and at some point i opened up their slack um and i've been really active there um more so than the app for various reasons um but don't need to go into that now it, nothing to do with the app or or groove it's like personal situational things that is preventing me from using it as much as i'd like um but for you what have you found in in the Groove community and how would you, would, do you think, would you invite other people to join this community? Um, what has it added to your life? 
Great question. Um, just to answer the, I, I have already referred, you know, dozens of people to it. Um, I, it's important that I talk about my community journey because I, before Groove, there was, and, and, and when I was first consulting on my own in Philadelphia, I was a member of like multiple co-working spaces which for me was great on so many levels. Like it gave me access to multiple communities. I, I could be around value aligned people. Like it was awesome. So when the pandemic hit and like I had stopped working for the company I was working for. So like I no longer had my coworker community. I no longer had, you know, co-working space communities. Um, there was a physical co-working space in Philadelphia that stood up an online co-working community. It's called Indie Hall. And when I discovered Indie Hall, it gave me that thing that I was missing. They had a Discord channel and they had they just had open co-working channels. So if you were working, you could just pop into a co-working channel, other people could join in, you could share your video or not but like it felt like you were in a room with other people and i was like i had no idea how badly i needed this thing until i found this thing and then last year i was also introduced to to groove in the early days and one of the things that i was struggling with at indie hall especially as things started to open up physically is like there were days where i'd be the only person in the virtual co-working room and I was like, this would be better if like there was always people that were in there with me. So as soon as I got introduced to Groove, I was like, oh, wait a second. Like, I don't want to say guaranteed, but like now the app is at a point like at any point of the day, because it is a global community. If I go in there, I'm going to find at least one person to work with, if not like three others. Um, and the thing that I have realized, especially through this journey of working for myself and not being in an office anymore and not being, you know, kind of in, I need that, that connection desperately in my day. Um, I need it for accountability. I need it just for the human interaction component. Um, and the thing groove does a lot of things really, really well. And just for quick background, they're 50 minute sessions where, you know, you get matched up with up to three other people. Um, you have a couple minutes to share what you're working on. And then you start work. The timer starts for 50 minutes. Everybody's cameras go off and there's just a chat window. And then you come back after 50 minutes and share what you've worked on. So it has given me that human connection that I was needing kind of desperately. It's given me the accountability. It has also given me like a tremendous amount of grace and compassion for myself because there are a lot of just good value aligned people on the platform. And I can't tell you how many grooves I'm on a day where a person is like, here's what I'm going to do during this groove. And then they come back on and they're like, so I got distracted. And like, I, that is something I, I joke with people all the time. It was such a gift because you're like, all right, I'm here for 50 minutes. I have to get all of this stuff done. And people are like, yeah, I just, I felt the need to clean the dishes and then pet the dog 
and then I sent some like so but it like also gave me this very like just reminder that like we need to show like ourselves and one another grace and compassion so I joke that it is a um it's a productivity app or, or sorry it is a human connection app that is masquerading as a productivity app because I feel like it gives you so much more than uh, than, than just that. Yeah, that's a very good um, description of it. I love that. And um, I have to say, um, as a introvert myself, um, I would go so far as to say to other introverts, you need more human connection than you think you do. <laughs> Um, oftentimes the story out there is that if you're an introvert, people drain your energy. And while that's true to some extent, um, not having any is definitely detrimental to your mental well-being. So, you know, even if you see yourself as an introvert, I'd still encourage you to give these like networks. Maybe it's Groove, maybe it's something else. Um, give it a try. Because you'd be surprised how energized you feel after you've had that, that human connection. And I mean, you can limit it to the number of groups that you feel comfortable doing in a day. There's no, no obligation to join one off to the other off to the other. If one is enough for you to get the energy that you need, that's great. Um, maybe the person on the other side of that screen also just had it, needed that one, one thing that day. Um, so yeah, I definitely encourage people, even if you're an introvert, Give it a shot. It might do more for you than you think. I, I love that, Skulk. And I'll add to that, like, you can test lots of communities. Like, you, sometimes you're not going to find the community that, that meets you where you are on the first try. But, like, you know, <laughs> one of my friend's expressions, which I like, is, like, just find find your weirdos. Like, there's a group of people that, like, you can connect with out there. Like, they exist. You just need to find them. And, like... I feel like there's places like Discord that like, you know, very and Reddit, right, where niche groups are popping up, like to your point, like, we do all need that connection. And we can find it with people that get us like, just as we are, right? Like, we don't have to be or, or do anything different, we can just show up as we are. And there's communities that will like fully accept us that way. We just have to find them. Yeah, that's very, very true. Well said. So I have one question left, but I have another question that's popped into my head while I was watching you on camera because there's a Venn diagram on your wall and I'm curious what that Venn diagram is about, <laughs> if you can share. Um, yeah, so it's uh, it was by a local artist here in Philly and it's just daytime, nighttime and the middle of the Venn diagram is best time. Um, gotcha. So it's uh, yeah, it's just that uh, that that space in be in between your day and your night. Um, that is uh, that for is me, the middle of the diagram. Yeah, for me, I the the night time would be the big overlap. I'm I'm definitely a night owl. <laughs> I've I've fought against it, but like so many things in life, it's best to play to your strengths and not try to change because the world isn't necessarily set up for how you work best um there's always ways to find find loopholes find workarounds that 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 you can make the world a little bit more welcoming i don't know if that's the right word but twist the world to work with you instead of changing try to change yourself to fit the world 
I think that's what I was trying to say. Har- har- harmony is the word that's been coming up in a lot of conversations recently, right? Like you're just trying to find the, your place in the world that kind of feels harmonious for you. And like, it may not exist in all of those existing structures that you've been around. It doesn't mean it doesn't exist at mm-hmm. all, right? Like, yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah. So in closing, this has been wonderful. A uh, question that I like to throw in every now and again, um, because it's it's a tough one, but I think once people think about it a little bit, um, beautiful things come from it. So what is the best advice you've received in your life so far? This is one, when you shared it, Skulk, ahead of time, I was like, oh man, this is a, this is a tough one. This is a tough one for me to answer with a, you know, with a single, a single response. And I've been realizing I'm, 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 I'm trying to be much more attentive to like answering the prompt because I've noticed my ability to, to not answer the direct question. So the best advice I have received in your life. So I've really received in my life so far is I think this is going to go back to my kind of earlier point around focus on how you want to feel first um being someone that like struggled with with kind of anger and frustration previously in my life like I went into last year and my my single kind of target feeling was a feeling of peace and I reminded myself of that every single day and despite a year that had like plenty of ups and downs like I felt largely at peace all of last year and I think that was just attributed to saying like, this is how I want to feel. And I'm going to remind myself every day that like, even if I am in situations that are not peaceful, it doesn't mean I can't show up in a, in a peaceful and intentional way. Yeah, that's beautiful. That makes me think of what uh, uh, story Thich Nhat Hanh, I don't know if it's a story or if it's just something he's been known to quote. And he's like, if you're on a boat, and the sea is rough, it only takes one person to stay calm to ensure that the boat doesn't capsize. So maybe you can be that one person in, in when life's chaotic that just brings a little bit of peace and then it spreads. And before you know it, everybody is a little a little bit more peaceful. Thank you so much, Matthew. This has been beautiful. It's been lovely. I'm so glad I, I, I asked you... Um, I knew this was going to be a good conversation. Um, thank you so much for joining. Thank you again for the opportunity, Skalk. I've really, I've enjoyed it. I, I'm, I'm also story for another time, but I love, I love a career that is a mosaic like my own. So we'll, we'll, we'll have to find time. I'd love to hear, hear more about your journey as well. And the last thing I'll end on is like, I, the thing I love to do is have these conversations with people and like, I am willing to invest time in people 
regardless of where they are. So if there's anything I can ever do to kind of support you or anyone in your community, like, please never hesitate to ask. I mean that so sincerely. Like, it's 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 important. It's important to me to to kind of support people regardless of where they are on their journeys. So, um, just please take it as an open invitation. Okay. Thank you so much, Matthew. That's that's lovely. I appreciate that. Have a lovely rest of your day. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Mycenaean Network podcast. If you're not already, please subscribe, store, and leave a review for us in your podcatcher of choice. This helps others find us and helps us make a better podcast for you, our listeners. You can also find and follow us on Twitter at Network Mycenaean and join the community on Discord. All the links are available in the show notes.